Uh, I'm not sure if this is going to work. And we got to have fun with it. It's going to work. I I really don't know if this intro is going to work. It's going to work. Just trust me. Formula One is back again. Lots of race setting pace. We're ready for the new year. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Mercedes is looking rough, very tough. Just our luck. Hamilton could be the best. Will he win number eight? Max is going for the lead. Can he win? Oops, he spin. McLaren's car's looking sharp. Watch Lando fly. Lots of drivers in new seats. Sergio, Ricardo, Will Carlos, Sunshine, Leclerc. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Haas has a whole new lineup. Or money, legacy. Williams under new owners. Will George I get a shot? Many races to enjoy. 23 soon to be who's ready for the season we know we freaking are hello and welcome to another edition of off the pit wall an american f1 podcast hunter the american grand prix is now behind us and things have gotten all that more competitive after this u.s grand prix i feel it i thought it was a great u.s grand prix i did it was looked like it was a sold out crowd. I think over the weekend there was like four hundred thousand people there. All, all I'll say is, as a person who watches pretty much every single mainstream form of American motorsport that's broadcasted on TV, that was the most people I've seen at a race, other than let's say the Indy Five Hundred. I haven't seen half that many people at a NASCAR race this year. Supercross, they sell out stadiums, so but I don't know how big a Supercross stadium, how many people can really hold that. But yeah, wow. Formula One took a hold of America this week, and I mean, I'm excited for the future to see if if the races kind of sell out this way every year now. If you were one of, like, the top dogs at Liberty Media, which is the company that owns Formula One, okay. um, if you were one of the top dogs, how much do you owe to Netflix for the success of the U.S. Grand Prix? I would say 75%. I definitely because there's a lot of people I know who never even watched racing, let alone Formula One, who started talking to me about Formula One because they knew I was into cars and I and and I'm into racing and everything. And I was kind of shocked. I was like, "You watch Drive to Survive?" They're like, "Yeah, I loved it. I loved the drama. I loved everything about it. I'm I'm going to try to watch some of the races next year." I was like, "What? Uh, okay." So I'd say seventy five percent. The other thing too is the battle this year. As long as you're even close to knowing. The way Formula One works, and if you watch Drive to Survive, then you might have a better chance of knowing how it works now. The, the championship this year has been phenomenal. The whole season's been phenomenal throughout the entire grid. So I, I think the racing on track has also brought that other chunk of people in. So I definitely think Netflix gets a big round of applause for showing America Formula One because, as you know, most weekends we got to wake up at 7 a.m. just to catch the green flag. So not many Americans are going to be doing that. So Netflix definitely brought that to the forefront of a lot of a lot of American viewers. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a hard sport to sell due to the time differences. I think that's like a huge thing that kind of held back Formula One for a while. And I mean, okay, so I come at this from a completely different perspective, Hunter, because I am one of those people. Exactly. Yeah. My, my introduction to Formula One was entirely through drive to survive and like it's basically like my my timeline was you know early 2020 january 2020 before the pandemic really like was a serious thing that people cared about you know it was something that like talking to you talking to our other friends you know it was 
an idea of like of like, hey, you should like check this out. Like they got a new season, you know, coming out on Netflix and all that. And I was like, okay, cool, I'll check it out. And that's like the one thing that I think is difficult about motorsports to a lot of Americans is that NASCAR, you got, like, what, 40 people on the grid? 40, like, some odd you people? Have, in the heyday, you had 43 drivers, and the season's 38 races long. Yeah, that's a lot of drivers and a lot of races, which obviously, like, a lot of races isn't necessarily a bad thing. I mean, you know, if you look at baseball and if you look at basketball, they have, and hockey, they all have, like, way more competitions. Um, I think, like, the difference there was that, like, NASCAR and other motorsports always seemed like impossible to get into because the players seemed impossible to like players, racers, drivers, whatever. I'm I'm trying to equate this to like football or yeah, like it's, basketball. It's a, it's, it's a harder sport. You can't yeah. you can't just go. Oh, I'm from Philadelphia, so I'll root for the Eagles. It, yeah, you know or, what I mean. You or, can't just go. Oh, I'm from this state. I'll root for this team. It's it's much more of a personal kind of sport. Well, yeah, and, like, the other factor of it is that um, because it's not as mainstream, it's harder to connect with individual drivers like you would with some players. Because, like, the the thing is, you know, if you watch a baseball game or a basketball game or a football game and, like, it's your first time ever watching it, you know, and then the player, a certain player pops off and, you know, you get to see their, like, you know, like, the, the way they play, you know, they're not, like, attitude but personality and you get to see like these these parts that like bind you to certain players or as you talked about bind you to certain cities or teams that are from you know cities that are either close to you or that you grew up in or whatever like it's easier to like form these bonds i think in other sports and but partially it's because it's more visible and i think the one nice thing that um, drive to survive did was not only did it provide more exposure to formula 1 but it gave you exposure that was personality and like individual dr- like driver drama first and racing second, you know, because. Yes, it, at- it was very much of a of a here's all the behind the scenes personal things going on with these drivers, because we're assuming you all watch the season. We're going to give you some little race recaps here and there. And yeah. that's what's really cool about the show. Yeah. And that's yeah, that's like what I'm getting at. Just it allowed me to. As someone who came in that way, I watched it. Obviously, I was like, I watched a little bit and was like hyped for the, you know, for the 2020 season. And then, of course, it got delayed and everything with COVID. So then I watched the entire, you know, three seasons they had on the internet at the time. And just getting a chance to be like, you know, being able to connect with drivers in a way and just knowing, okay, I like this driver. I like that driver. If I did not. If Drive to Survive did not exist, okay, and you just got me into Formula One around the same time period, Hunter, because you're a friend of mine and you're like, hey, you'd really enjoy this and, you know, whatever. Some differences that I know right now is that I would not have nearly as much fandom or respect for Pierre Gasly as I would. Oh, yeah. Because of Drive to Survive. and That's true. Yeah, and, like, those those connections, you know, they matter a lot and it gets people into the sport. And either way, 400,000 God dang people at the U.S. Grand Prix, and I think Drive to Survive is a huge portion of that, like or a huge factor driving the increase in in Formula One's attendance and and value, and you know its ability to play with other big four sports in North America. I think, if I may say one other thing, that really helps sell 
Formula One to America for the race weekend, at least, is that it's what NASCAR used to be in the 90s when NASCAR was like this every single track it went to. It was sold out every you would There was a seven-year wait list I remember my dad told me about because he was already on it, but he already had tickets. But there was a seven-year wait list to get a ticket for Bristol. It would take you seven years to be able to buy a ticket to go to Bristol. Obviously, you could show up to the race and get scalping tickets or your friends could sell you their ticket, but you know what I'm saying. It used to be a carnival in NASCAR and, and a party for a whole weekend. And that's what Formula One was in Texas this past weekend. They had concerts every night. They had, they had a Ferris wheel off in the distance. It looked like they, it was just a super fun carnival party festival atmosphere for three full days. And I don't see how even if you don't like racing, that wouldn't be fun. So I, I think they're definitely doing it right when they come to America, I don't know what they do when they go to any other racetrack and any other country, but definitely when they came to America, they put on the right type of atmosphere to get people, whether they're race fans or not to show up. Yeah. I mean, you know, like you said, it was an extravaganza all around and it wasn't like those concert events were like no name people like Billy Joel played Billy at, Joel. This, at this freaking Grand Prix. <laughs> Taylor like, Swift what? played like a year or two ago. It was, I guess it would have to be two years ago. I mean, it, or maybe it was more than that, but th- they get big name people to show up. I, I think it's it's going to keep growing, and I hope it does. Yeah, and if I could for a moment, I want to transition this into one other talking point that I gleaned from the U.S. Grand Prix that I think right. we should mention. The one, the one part of Formula One's broadcast that I really think they need to, like, fix – Okay. Okay. Is this during the race or the pre-race? This is this is during the race. Okay. Okay. All right. But it also like happens the the pre-race post-race I'm less upset about, but during yeah, the race cause... it's just dumb and inexcusable. Okay. okay. All right. What is it? During the race, the cutaways to random celebrities who are at the race. It doesn't matter. Okay. Like, they have no connection to Formula One or racing I understand. at all. I understand why you're saying I don't want to see that. But uh, f- so I can only think of two cutaways during the race. One was of Ben Stiller, which they showed him like 75 times throughout the entire broadcast yeah. for the day. Yeah. Uh, like the pre-race show, the post-race show, everything. But um, I think they only cut away to him once during the race. And the only other time I can remember them cutting away, I could be wrong, was when they cut away to Max Verstappen's dad, who was in the Red Bull pit garage. No, um, okay, so not not that, okay? Because those are the only two cutaways I can personally remember. So, so, but I agree though. Sometimes I'm like, I don't mind. See, I don't mind when they cut away for like two seconds, just like, oh, look who's here. Okay, back to the racing. But like when they stay on the person who doesn't even know they're on camera, who doesn't even like. You know what I mean? They're just standing there. We're just staring at a random celebrity for like 10 seconds. And I'm like, I understand this is kind of a low point in the race. And that's probably why you're doing this. But what the heck? The moments that got me were obviously, well, first off, that Ben Stiller cutaway during the race, because they showed him twice, once during, once after the race. Mm-hmm. The Ben Stiller cutaway during the race was like, while there was like borderline, like wheel to wheel racing happening. Like this is okay. Well, this you is remember when, what happened at Monaco this year, okay? Yeah, we yeah. Had, we had a pass for the lead or whatever it was, and instead we got to see a replay of Lance Stroll jumping one of the curbs. Yeah, but here's the thing: that's actually that is actually like part of the race, okay? But literally, like you got like Lewis Hamilton like chasing down Max Verstappen, and like 
Mick Schumacher obviously like getting in the way a little bit and doing that whole like debacle. A little bit. Well, okay, we'll get to that in a moment. But like while this is happening, like we're seeing this happen over the course of a couple laps, and they're just like boom, and like obvious, like they're like boom, Ben Stiller, and obviously like Crofty's like not expecting this, so he's like doing his calls, doing his calls, doing his calls, and then he's like, and there's Ben Stiller, like he's in the same tone because he's in that mindset. It's like, why yeah. did you do that? Like that was that <laughs> was Ben Stiller to the lead. Like like uh, like that was stupid. Like. They also, I mean, this was during a lower point in the race, but they also cut away to George Lucas for seemingly no reason. They're just oh, like, yes. ah, and then, yeah, George then Lucas a, is they, here. Yeah, yeah, then he made a really cheesy joke about making a Formula One movie or something, and I was like, oh, come on. Yeah, and then they were like, yeah, maybe they'll include Formula One in Star Wars 8, and I'm like, you realize yeah, Star so Wars 8 exists? That's what it was. Yeah, he said Star Wars 8. I was like, oh, come on. Star Wars 8 exists. Right. It exists. Get your facts right if you're going to make a crappy joke. There are nine Star Wars movies, like canonically Star Wars movies. Like, well, I mean, yes. Star Wars, Star Wars movies. Either yeah. way. Live action Star Wars movies. There's nine. Well, I mean, I mean, unless you're, how are you counting Solo and what's well, that's what I'm saying? Live action. Well, Solo okay, is live say, action. What are you talking about? Well, I know, but I'm trying to say live. So what I'm trying to say, it, this is besides the point. This isn't Formula One. Either way, they need to like stop cutting away to other celebrities and like, the, c- cutting away to like Verstappen's dad, that's fine because A, he's the dad of like one of the two competing for the championship, and, and B, he used to drive in Formula One. Yeah, he also is a Formula, a former Formula One driver. Like cutting away to to Alan Prost hanging out in the Ferrari garage is like that's acceptable. That is fine. Cutting away to George Lucas and his, I, I'm assuming, wife or girlfriend or whatever she is sitting next to him on yeah, a couch, like just watching the race. Like, come on. Like, that's dumb. I will say, though, I was I did find it very funny during the grid walk. First grid walk we've had in like two full seasons. Um, oh, the and, Megan the Stallion thing. And and somebody's like, you can't do that. And he goes, yes, I can, because I just did. I was like, thug life. Who is that? What? I, I would just like to point out for the record. So that was that was a bunch of the security around Megan the Stallion. Yes. Like. Like the the thing is, and that's the other thing that gets me with this. Like Formula One's always been like a like like a high end kind of like like A list celebrities yeah, only. Yeah, like, like B list celebrities don't really show up. Yeah, only like, the best of the best. But but it it really bothers me when like they believe that like their presence should supersede what's yeah, like, going on. You're at a race. Yeah. This is that isn't like a race showed up at your concert. You no. showed up at a race. Yeah, you like, don't matter here. The fact that anyone's even trying to talk to you, it should be nice. I, I think the funniest part about that was that, um, like, not only did Megan the Stallion look like a complete idiot by basically blowing off Martin Brundle. I thought she knew but, who he was. Well, she yeah, probably thought well, it was some random journalist. Yeah. Well, well, that's that's the other thing is that everyone on the Internet now is like. Is it, well, what they're doing is they're just they are googling Megan the Stallion's net worth and googling Martin Brundle's net worth and going checkmate because <laughs> Megan the Stallion has a three million dollar net worth. Okay, uh-huh. do you know what Martin Brundle's net worth is? I'm gonna guess twenty. I don't know. One hundred million dollars. Sheesh! My boy got that schmula, baby. <laughs> Actually, a hundred million dollars. So holy cow. In conclusion, um, I understand that they want to, like, pay homage to the celebrities that are there, 
but you paying homage on the broadcast the way you are, it's not like adding to the broadcast and bringing in other people that wouldn't watch the broadcast otherwise. It's just kind of annoying to the people who are there for the racing. Like, you could do it, like, pre- and post-race all you want. Like, Shaq on the podium, nice. Like that. That was hilarious. That was great, yeah. Yeah, but but just cutting away to Ben Stiller in the middle of, like, Lewis Hamilton's chase down of Max Verstappen at the end of this race, not not good. Yeah. It's just not good. Either way, getting back to the race, how about we talk about uh, the teams and how they did and give some grades out. Um, All right, let's do because it. Because we spent a lot of time talking about the quality of the U.S. Grand Prix, <laughs> and we should probably get on to uh, talking about these teams. So, the team that is in first, but had their lead bitten into a little bit yes. uh, during this race. 22 and a half points is all that stands between them now. And what, it was like 36 coming into this race? Yeah, something like that. So maybe yeah. I was wrong. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, we'll we'll definitely see how it shakes out. We're gonna start with Mercedes, currently top dogs, four hundred and sixty and a half points. They came in second, obviously. Lewis Hamilton, you know, second step on the podium, and then after an engine penalty, a little bit of a lower start for Valtteri Bottas, he recovers to sixth place, which isn't terrible. But, but it's not good when you're trying to run for a constructor title. I mean, the door is still and open. If- if Sergio Perez keeps on getting these podiums with Max, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, so that uh, that could lead to a very interesting situation. What type of grade would you give Mercedes? I mean, uh, second and sixth in the, the, the final, obviously qualifying, they qualified second and fourth. So, you know, if you don't factor in that penalty too much, I mean, Valtteri and Lewis were, were right yeah, there with well. Red Bull. Yeah, they did well for qualifying, but they're clearly very worried about their engines. Uh, this is the second engine past the penalty limit that Botas has gotten. Third, so, third actually. Oh, third, third. It, it oh, was his, it, this is his sixth internal combustion engine. Oh wow. Okay, sorry. I uh, wow. So that is a lot. Um, so that's something to be honestly a little bit nervous for. I won't say worried, but I'll say nervous for. But all in all. Uh, Lewis got a ph- phenomenal start from the beginning of the race, but Max was a little bit faster in general, not on the straights, but definitely through all the turns, through the slower corners. Pitch strategy got Max back to the lead, so that's not necessarily Lewis's fault, but team-wise, we're still team great. But all in all, Lewis did a really good job this weekend. Um, I think he did the best he possibly could have with the opportunities he was given. Valtteri, though, I would have liked to have seen him move up the field more kind of surprised honestly that he couldn't so that was a bit strange to be honest but I mean, um well i mean if you look at the cars that were in front of him well i know they were all really fast cars but yeah. at the end of the day though max and lewis finished the race i think 30 some seconds before sergio they were able to pull away from the whole field, so if he could have matched the pace, obviously he's not Lewis Hamilton, he's not going to match Lewis's race pace for the entire event, but, uh, you know, so regardless, they got second, they got sixth, they scored points, uh, they didn't wreck anything, they had a decent recovery drive, and um, I'll give them a B-plus for this, because they did lose a little bit in the constructors, Lewis is now 13 points down in drivers, and... That whole engine issue is kind of nerve, like worrisome. So even though I said I wouldn't say worrisome, I'll say nervous makes me nervous. But regardless, I give him a B plus. Yeah, I think I'm giving them a flat B. This, I mean, 
it was an okay drive and you know the recovery by Valtteri wasn't terrible you know the fact that Lewis and Max were 30 seconds ahead of Sergio in third place just shows kind of the elite level that those drivers are and Valtteri had a lot more traffic to deal with you know and him being stuck behind one McLaren and one Ferrari you know isn't great but it's by far totally acceptable i think for the situation yeah i'm g- i'm going to give them a b the the biggest downside is the fact that usa was a track that many pegged to be a mercedes track and then we're going to go to mexico where we've seen red bull you know get some really big strides in years past so you know it could be a situation where mexico could be even more Red Bull favored, and that's not going to be great for them moving forward. But for the United States, I'm going to give them a B. Red Bull, on the other hand, I mean, their second double podium finish in two in the past two races, you know, back-to-back this time. Sergio making his uh, fourth appearance on the podium at the United States Grand Prix. Excellent job by him. I mean, you know, he wasn't wildly, you know, up there, and he didn't really have to block Botas or anything, but I think they... Did an excellent job. They did what they needed to. This was a race where everything was in the right direction for them. I think this is an A performance for Red Bull at this stage in the championship. I would have to completely agree. I thought Max had a decent start, but Lewis just had a better start. I don't think either one of them had a crazy phenomenal start because it still was a drag race down to the first turn. I thought Max drove really well with the strategy that he was given to be able to take the lead back. I think I aged 25 years watching those last five, 10 laps because my roommate was watching the race with me and he's a big Lewis Hamilton fan. So he's like, he's going to get him. He's going to get him. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Don't do not get him. Do not get him. So that was super stressful watching the end of that race. Phenomenal ending to it, though. And I thought, see, so they played that delayed message for Sergio about the water. And they played it like 75% through the race. I'm like, oh, okay, he'll be fine. He can do the last 15, 18 laps, whatever it was. But but it's only 15 laps. He can do it. They get out of the car and they go, yeah, my drink was broken the entire time. I, I lost my drink on lap one. I was like, what? How, how did you do that at Texas the whole race? So phenomenal drive for Sergio. With that considered, um, I think maybe if he had the water, you know, could have had more strength. He could have been up there fighting for second place. Could have been uh, getting a little dicey with Lewis. Oh, the other thing. I want to say Sergio made me really happy as a team on that first lap. He had a chance to make it really dicey with Lewis and take the lead through the S's. But he decided to back off and let Max fight him. I thought that was a super classy move. Um, I really liked that. And I liked that he was able to then hold station and keep third the entire race. So, uh, yeah, I thought that was really good. I think overall as a team, this was definitely an, an A, a flat A weekend. Yeah, that, that information about Sergio, obviously that was like huge. Um, at first, I was kind of like, haha, it's it's a it's a Kimi Raikkonen moment. But that's what I literally said. Yeah. I was like, drink, I don't have drink. Uh, the drink don't not work. <laughs> what is the drink? You will not have the drink, Kimmy. You will you not, will not have, have the drink, drink Kimmy. Kimmy, you will not have the okay. drink. Uh, <laughs> but uh, also credit to credit where credits due. You know that's an excellent point that you know Sergio was an excellent team player in that and gave Max the opportunity to go chase after Lewis and and win the race like he did. And I mean Sergio also got rewarded for it. He is now fourth in the driver standings. Yes. 
he uh, jumped over uh, Lando by a, by a single point right now. And that's pretty awesome because a couple races ago, five races ago, whatever it was, I was honestly going, man, Sergio, he's not stinking, but he's not doing what he could or should. And the other little tidbit of information, I don't know if you picked it up. It was either during the pre-race or during the race itself. They talked about how Sergio is no longer – the thing that he has found for himself and why he's been doing a little bit better is he's no longer using any of the max information or setups. He now has his own little baseline for setups, and he's his car is completely different than Max's. Uh, so he now finally, the Red Bull is still obviously in total design kind of for Max, right? Yeah, yeah. But he now has his own little subset of things that the, the crew and everything can do, I guess, for this year's car that he really likes. And that's really good. So, that's really good. Like, unfortunately, it's going to be a brand new whole deal next year. So he'll have to do it all over again. But hopefully he can do it quick enough this time next year and then really be able to fight with with everyone and do well enough that they keep him around for another year. And then he and Max can just try to burn down the whole world, you know, but uh, yeah, that was another little piece of information. I, I, I heard at some point uh, that I, I really liked for Sergio. And of course, next season when he's trying to get his adjustments, everybody's going to be getting their adjustments. It's a brand new season with a completely different aero package for the car. And we'll see how that uh, shakes out for them. Speaking of Lando Norris, who gets relegated down to fifth in the driver's standings by a single point, McLaren, fifth and eighth, not the worst in the world, but not the greatest when you compare them to Ferrari's performance of fourth and seventh. Uh, yeah, so, Ferrari so, looked great this weekend. Yeah, what the, uh, I know we're, I know we're yeah, talking about McLaren, but... Well, before we... Yeah, yeah I was going to say, before we get to Ferrari, uh, fifth and eighth for McLaren, what do you think about that performance... I mean, qualifying-wise, it's an improvement on their qualifying. They started 7th and 8th behind both Ferraris. Do you give them any credit for that? I definitely give them credit for moving – well, one of them moving up. I, I, I'll put it this way. Um, Daniel did really well this weekend. Obviously, he, he got 5th. I mean, that's not burning the world down, but he got 5th, and that's – like and I know he's won a race this season, but and and the past forms he's had, and he, he's a race winner, and he's he put in the right car, he could, he could be a world champion. But this year, that's not who Daniel Ricciardo has been, and so to see him do well this weekend is really nice. I think he just was super happy just to be here, to be to race Dale Earnhardt's car around the track, to have the Dale Earnhardt tribute helmet, to meet Dale Jr., to just do his interview in an American accent to have the, the weird beard that he'd shaved uh, the whole, the cowboy outfits, the whole thing. I think he just was super happy to be here. And I honestly think fifth might've been the best that McLaren could have done, whether it was him or Lando this weekend, because Ferrari was really quick. Mercedes had an engine penalty and Mercedes isn't always the best car through traffic. So I think fifth might've honestly been the absolute best case scenario for McLaren this weekend. And so it's really nice to see uh, Daniel do that. Kind of shocked Lando got eighth. This just seems weird. I, I know that's still not a horrible finishing position. It just kind of seems weird to see Lando finish a race without a DNF and finish eighth. I don't know. It's kind of weird. But overall, got to give him a grade. I'd say this is a B. I want to give them a B plus, but they lost out to Ferrari. So I got to only give them a B. I'm actually leaning in the other direction. I'm giving them a B minus. I mean, it was okay. a... It wasn't the greatest qualifying performance. They were just straight up behind Ferrari in qualifying. And 
you know, with a little bit of luck that Mercedes had to take an engine penalty. And then just some solid wheel-to-wheel racing with uh, with Ricardo and, and Norris, both of them. Let's give some credit there that the racing between the two of them and Carlos Sainz was phenomenal through the opening uh, stages of the race. You know, I, I think it's a it's a B minus overall for them. You know, it's it's not the greatest, but by far it's it's not the worst. They definitely got good points, and uh, the weekend could have fallen apart in much further ways. And they recovered well from a slightly below average qualifying, in my opinion. Ferrari, on the other hand, you talked about they had a fantastic weekend. Fourth and seventh, Carlos Sainz, a lot of great battling, like I said, with the McLaren team. And then Charles was just kind of like a quiet fourth place, you know. Yeah, he was just threat. in his own little island. He just, I mean, he put a little bit of pressure on Sergio at the very end. He was, I mean, not really. He was still like, I think, seven or eight seconds behind. But uh, he, he definitely wasn't, I guess, technically at the end of the race, he was exactly 10 seconds behind. But not a bad performance at all from Ferrari. I thought it was honestly a really good performance. I didn't really think going into this that they would really be any sort of player in this i don't really know why i didn't really i just kind of forgot about ferrari going into the race i don't even know how i did that but like i watch qualifying and i see charles doing well i see carlos doing like all right i'm like what what is this i thought it was a great weekend for ferrari they cut into mclaren's lead a little bit more deficit now is only three and a half points i mean the one and two spot comes down to it and the three and four spot comes down to it that's going to be so freaking cool. And then, obviously, we're not there yet, but Alpine and Alphatari, they're only 10 points separating each other. Like, the top six in their own respective battles are awesome this season. And I really, like, just as a fan, appreciate that. Like, it's just awesome to see. I know it, well, I know it doesn't happen every season. I know it won't happen every season. But for those seasons that it does happen, it's just been super enjoyable to watch, no matter what portion of the field you are watching. So that's why... Charles had a quiet race. He wasn't on the broadcast really all that much because he was in fourth doing his own thing. So all in all, I got to give them a B plus this weekend. I don't want to give them an A because they didn't get a podium, but they beat McLaren this week. So for sure, a B plus. They had a better job in qualifying against McLaren. They did a better job during the race against McLaren. I'm giving them an A minus. I mean, it's not, it's all not, right. it's not a podium. Fair. But, you know, a podium has definitely seemed like the ceiling for Ferrari. They've only picked up uh, four podiums over the course of the season so far. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think it's an A-minus performance. I think they did a good job in in Ferrari's case. Uh, on the flip side, I think we can be pretty quick about this one, Hunter. Uh, Alpine, double retirement. Uh, this is yeah, just, it's um, an F. It's an it's F. It's an F. And, and the worst part is, it, it sounds like it wasn't, an engine failure. It sounds like it was a a body failure of some sort. It sounded like the rear wing cracked or something. So, which did yeah, that definitely definitely did, an F. Didn't that happen to one either the one of the Red Bulls or one of the Mercedes? Yes, in it was Sergio, I believe. Sergio's rear wing cracked somehow or something. So, well, they. I mean, they said it was a bumpy track. You know, it's one yeah. of the the one of the least smooth tracks in F one apparently. So, uh, yeah, but that also makes the racing like difficult for the driver. So it's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, it's probably enjoyable for the drivers, but for a fan, it's not that bad. <laughs> well, it's fine. Just, you know, next time you're looking at getting some uh, repairs on the track, uh, I suggest that um, the people who own the Circuit of the Americas don't outsource their repair job to PennDOT. Ah, uh, uh, yes. A little... A little Pennsylvania's n- Department of Transportation a, a did little, not be in charge a little of repaving that road. Yeah, some Keystone State humor for you. 
Um, moving on to Alpha Tauri, uh, speaking of retirements, you know, Pierre also retired. Yeah. But let's talk about the silver lining here. Like, Yuki. Alpha Tauri needed, especially with a double retirement out of Alpine, Alpha Tauri needed some points, and Yuki came through. Not a whole lot, but ninth hey, place. Hey, you got two of them. Yeah. You got two of them. Couple of points for Yuki. Um, where do you put uh, Alpha Tauri's grade in this situation with their one retirement? Uh,. They got they scored two points. Yuki did a great job holding off a lot of different people. I'll give him a C because if Pierre finished in the points too, it definitely would be way higher than a C. But because Pierre did not finish, uh, but Yuki did get points, I, I'll give him a C, maybe a C plus. I'm gonna give him a C minus just because Pierre's retirement came at the absolute worst time. Yeah, a- an opportunity to really, to really just destroy any lead left by Alpine for fifth in the constructors and it just didn't happen. So uh, I'm gonna give them a C minus, you know, their weekend was saved by Yuki getting some points, but Alpha Tauri also having a tough weekend this weekend. Aston Martin managed to luck themselves into some more points, um, picking up 10th place because of the three retirements ahead of them. Yes. Um, Well, I guess, you know, technically Fernando Alonso was behind them. They did exactly what we said they would in the preview show. We said that they were going to take uh, Alfa Romeo's spot this week and be the hover team, and that's what they did. They were they were the team that was there and locked out, and that's it. That's all you can say about them. They, I still, I, I'll say it every week. They need to paint, change the paint scheme. Uh, they every time they cut to them, I go, "Why is a Mercedes battling these <laughs> an Alpine?" And I go, "Oh, sorry, forgot again." This part of the season, but yeah, Aston Martin, meh, a C. Just a straight C. They got one point because three people didn't finish. Uh, I mean, maybe it's worse than a C. I don't know. But they scored a point, so a C. I'm giving them a B minus because, honestly, them getting points is not the average expectation for Aston Martin. It really yeah, isn't. That's true, I guess. So I'll give them a C plus then. Uh, now you're changing the, your grades around. I'm trying to... I, I, how am I supposed to keep track of all this, Hunter? If you're not, oh, I'm so sorry. Just add a, add, a, add a little plus side to it. How hard can it be? Consistency. Ah, speaking of consistent, uh, Williams has fallen back to being consistently out of the points. Fourteenth, <laughs> fifteenth. Uh, yeah. I mean, how much of this do you want to put on the fact that George Russell had an engine penalty, and how much of this do you want to just, you know, just say, ah, it's Williams uh, well, being Williams? It's well, we see if you look at the trends. Was big on trends at the beginning of the season, and I kind of forgot about my trends. We're going to bring that word back, trends. All right. George Russell qualifies. Great. Phenomenal for that car. The then race pace and or both race strategy and race pace hinders the team, and then he falls back. So honestly, it's where would have liked to see them finish higher, seeing how realistically they finished 17th and 18th, but... That's not a good weekend for Williams with the way they've with the form they've been on. I gonna give them a C minus. I think C minus is is probably accurate for what they uh what they've what, started to become. Yeah, what 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 they deserve. It's a little below average. We our expectations for them. I mean, the Hungarian GP, the Belgian GP. Those were both races that were. You know, weird circumstances, you know, the weather in Spa and obviously the crash at the beginning of the Hungarian Grand Prix shook a lot of things up, too. So between all of that, you know, uh, those results were definitely, you know, way, way abnormal. And then, you know, you got a couple of points finishes, you know, some in Monza, some in Russia. 
you know, and you're thinking, okay, maybe, you know, they could, they can nip at it a little bit, but halfway down, you know, from the points finishers, you know, 14th, 15th, that seems a little bit on average, uh, C minus seems pretty, pretty solid for them, uh, in my opinion. So that's, uh, I think it's where they sit. Speaking of teams being where they sit, uh, Alfa Romeo, 13th and uh, 11th. I mean, we couldn't write this better. If we if we were if we were writing in the script for oh next week, you know what? Uh, where are we putting Alpha? Eleventh uh, and thirteenth every week. I swear, I swear, every single week from eleventh to fourteenth is where they finish. If they finish farther down, it's because they didn't finish or they got wrecked or they spun out or something. If they finish higher above, it's because they were right there on the cusp and a couple cars crashed out. A couple cars crashed out and they still finished eleventh and thirteenth. I. It's unbelievable the consistency of eleventh. One of them always finishes in eleventh. I this is the definition of a C. <laughs> uh, I'm looking back right now. One, two. Out of three, the how many races four, have there five, been? Eighteen. Six. How, how many times did they finish in eleventh? Six times. One of them. One of them finished eleventh six times. Yes. If you want to okay, say, many? if you want to say eleventh or twelfth. Yeah. Eleventh uh, or twelfth adds two more races, so twelve races. What's if you don't mind, just humor me because I said eleventh through fourteenth. How many times this season has one of them or both finished in eleventh through fourteenth? Uh, instant. I'll, I'll count instances of them being eleventh through fourteenth. Okay. Out of eighteen races, the amount of times that they finished eleventh through fourteenth is twenty. Ah. Huh? Oh. Oh. Together. Yes. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, hold on. I know I'm no mathematician, but uh, yes. yeah, that's my point. Every single week, I swear, out of 18 races, they finished together 20 times, 11 through 14th. That has to be the most consistent team on the grid. If they um, could just make the car be top five material and they did that, they'd win every year. I mean, there's probably an argument that, you know, Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton getting one and two is... Uh, <laughs> It's probably just All as right, consistent, okay, well, but you know. Yes, but they're in a car that yeah, so whatever. It's a All C. All I'm saying is it's a C. It's a very long way of saying C. And finally we come to the American team for the American Grand oh. Prix. Haas came in dead last for all cars that finished the race. Two laps down, the only two cars two laps down. I am gonna give them a C minus because Mick Schumacher, I don't know what he was doing, but he did something. Well, Nikita spun, I believe. I believe he was in an incident in the very first lap. So his race was done immediately. And then Mick, I don't know if he ever spun. I don't know if he ever got into an accident. I don't know if he just simply was slow enough to get lapped twice. But wow, when it mattered most, he showed up and tried to give every single person there a freaking heart attack, whether they were a Lewis fan or a Max fan. Every single person was biting their fingernails going... What are you going to do, Mick? Get out the way. Do not wreck these two. C minus. I'm right there with you. I mean, I yeah. kind of I kind of want to give him a little bit of credit because, like, at one point after the first or second lap, he was 13th. I did see that. And I was like, what's happening? And then he fell all the way back. So I don't know if he got into some sort of something or other. But, yeah, C minus. I, yeah. I, I wonder. <laughs> Obviously, I would have to go back and calculate this and it would take some time. But I noticed that, like, a little bit, like, Mick Schumacher gets really good starts. I wonder what the championship picture would look like if uh, it was literally just one lap. The standings after one lap were the, the oh, final standings. You know what? You can you can do the spreadsheet. You can figure that out. You can somehow 
look at the data. You could find it. You could find what the positions were for every GP I, I after just, lap one. I could just watch every race replay. Like F1, there you go. F1 TV there you for go. the win. There you go. Watch every F1 race replay. Write down, jot down, take a screenshot, whatever, of the of the running order after the first lap and redo the points. See who the constructor's champion would be and who the driver's championship would be. I don't think the top would change too much. I think the bottom is where you see some change. Yes, for sure. Because I, I think... certain. Yeah, I think I think Haas and Williams. Gets, that could be a fun a little off-season thing you do. Ah, you know we who could, knows? We could talk about we could talk about Dan's made up Dan's made up point <laughs> series. Dan's Dan's whole shot point series. Where only the first lap matters. I have ADHD. Okay, one lap and we're done. I got I got I got I was told I got HD. Apparently, I got ADO. Thank you, Hunter. Yeah, no uh, I mean, that's the grade for Haas. Congratulations, C minus at your uh, home race, your home Grand Prix. All right. Well, everyone's off to Mexico next. Uh, Sergio Perez, his official home Grand Prix, you know, should be a good one. I think Red Bull has pretty good odds there, but we'll talk about that more next week for our uh, preview show for the 2021 Mexican Grand Prix. And then for everything with the U.S. Grand Prix, we just got to sort out some final numbers. So first off, uh, driver of the day, Hunter, who is your driver of the day? I mean, Max, he had pole, but then he lost it and then he got it back and then he lost it and then he got it back and then he held him off. So. I feel like Max could be deserving, but honestly, I think I'm going to go. I think I said this last race. I think I'm going to go with Sergio. I don't think I said Sergio. I don't know who I said. I'm going to go with Sergio for the fact that he got a podium without any water in Texas. Uh, you, did, you did say Sergio last time. All right. Well, two weeks in a row, Sergio, simply because he did a whole freaking race in Texas without any water. I uh, got a podium. I guess I will be the one to give it to Verstappen then. Uh, who is your disappointment of the day? I can't be disappointed in Pierre because it's he didn't like wreck. I mean, you know I mean? can be disappointed in Pierre. Oh, I'm disappointed for Pierre. It's different than being disappointed in him. I guess I'll say Botas. I, I would have hoped with a new engine he could have got farther than he did. So I'll say Valtteri was the disappointment. I am gonna say something along a similar vein. I'm gonna say Norris. I wish Norris would have okay. been able to uh, to kind of you know play up a little bit more, especially after uh, Ricardo got clear of Sainz. Mm-hmm. You know, because um, I, I think Ricardo and Norris could have worked together to get Norris in front of Sainz, but you know, it didn't uh, didn't end up working out. What grade do you give the Grand Prix? Well, unlike the last race, that was a schnooze. This one uh, almost gave me a heart attack, so I'll give it an A plus. Really, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a B. All right, I thought I thought it was good racing okay, throughout fine. the whole pack, would... especially during the first couple laps when the pack was bunched up. I thought it was great. We had drama from from Alpine going, uh, Michael, Michael, are we allowed to pass on the outside? No. Oh, okay. So so we're allowed to pass on the outside? No, no, you're not. Uh, oh, but Kimmy can pass on the outside? No, he cannot. Oh, but he did. No. Then what do they do? <laughs> they go and pass on the outside. Yeah, that was that was great. I- I'm giving it a B plus. Okay. All right. Fair. Fair enough. Fair enough. B plus. I mean, there is zero. There, there was like a virtual safety car for half a second to get like an end plate off the yes, track. Yes, that was strange. That was very strange. Yeah. Like I was hoping like the pit stop drama was okay, but I was hoping for a little bit more pit stop drama and maybe, you know, maybe a little bit more, a little bit more, uh, you know, like a race, uh, race defining like moments or like, you know, moments that put the race on its head. I thought there were, I it is what it is. Either way, those are our grades for the 2021 U.S. Grand Prix. Join us next week, as I said, to discuss the preview of the Mexican Grand Prix. And in the meantime, if you have any questions, comments, or discussion, send us some messages to our mailbag 
offthepitwall at gmail.com. And until next time, my name's Dan Zaleski. I'm Hunter Connolly. And we'll talk to you on the next episode of Off the Pitball, an American F1 podcast. Off the Pitball is produced by Dan Zaleski with Hunter Connolly and Kalen Wolfskill. Edited by Kyle Kratzer. A Ruby Media Production. <laughs>